the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Monday, the 13th morning of the month of August in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks so much to Congressman Jim Jordan uh, for joining us. Uh, really good uh, conversation on a number of very important issues. I want to share this, too, by the way. Um, it'll tie into a programming note. I told you before that I'm using my social media, and I really want to try to use this for the betterment of uh, our program and our ability to communicate with one another uh, on Facebook. I have a Facebook page called France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and I put links to the uh, couple of stories that I told you about from the Antifa attacks yesterday on police officers. And uh, they're chanting and they're exposing of their own belief in the American left ideal that we should not have a country that the United States is a racist country uh, that should be dissolved, essentially, by way of disappearing borders. Um, so I posted this, uh, you know, one of those links, and underneath that, I just got a message from Bonnie, who says, Death of a Nation by Dinesh D'Souza is in theaters now. And I think she's referring to the death of the nation that Antifa is calling for, right? And it made me, it reminded me, I should tell you about this. I will be interviewing Dinesh D'Souza tonight. A little programming note here. I will be hosting the Larry Elder Show the next two nights, as a matter of fact, nationwide. And uh, Dinesh D'Souza will be joining me at the top of the second hour of the program tonight. The program is live 6 to 9 p.m. our time. It airs here on AM 1420. The answer from 7 to 10. So if I'm doing that right, you should hear it. Actually, you should hear it live at the 7 o'clock hour. So you should hear that right out of the top of the uh, 7 o'clock hour. I will be talking to Dinesh D'Souza about Death of a Nation, which is critically acclaimed. It is fantastic. But as Bonnie pointed out, uh, not drawing a ton of people into the theaters because you know that the American left is hiding from the facts presented by Dinesh D'Souza's books and his movies. They don't want to go and see that. 
They don't want to go and learn the truth about the history of the Democrat Party and the danger that the American left poses for this country. They don't want to hear that. So they don't go, uh, which means it's all that more important for us to go. Uh, if you are a believer in this country and its principles and uh, uh, its founding fathers and the message uh, that we were given, then you need to go and support this movie so more and more people can indeed see it. So by all means, if you have an opportunity, go see Death of a Nation. It is something that I intend to do as quickly as possible, as soon as I find it in a theater near me. All right, uh, 216-901-0945 is the number to join us, 888-281-1110. I want to go back to um, a couple of quick stories here and a couple of updated audio pieces for you before I go to the phone calls again. Van Jones, you know who Van Jones is, one of Barack Obama's former czars, now a CNN host, Van Jones decided to cover this past weekend's um, racial events, and that's essentially what they were. You had a white nationalist group, only about two dozen of them showed up in D.C., uh, scheduled to march for their own idiot, idiotic hate, hate messages. They were um, countered by hundreds of Antifa masked and armed individuals who were spoiling for a riot, hoping to have a fight with these uh, individuals. Uh, fortunately, the police kept the two groups separated, and essentially, uh, Antifa didn't like that. They really wanted to riot. It's what they do. They commit acts of thuggery and violence. That's what Antifa is all about. Uh, they represent the American left proudly and extremely, and I mean that in both senses of the word, and they didn't like the fact that the cops were separating them from the 20 or 25 idiot white nationalists, and so they turned their anger on the cops, and they attacked cops verbally most of the time. Uh, but uh, physically in other cases as well. So Van Jones on CNN looked at all this coverage and decided to claim that there's no difference between the hateful Nazi rhetoric coming from white nationalists and conservative media? Wait, what? Listen to this uh, tripe uh, aired by CNN, as if CNN airs anything other than tripe. But, but listen to this. Uh, this is Van Jones on his CNN program. Uh, trying to compare Nazism to conservative media. white nationalists. Now, this guy actually openly wears swastikas on his shirt, and he says America is his country because he's white. Listen to this. We're staring down the barrel of a gun here in white America. There's still 193 million white Americans. Yes, the vast majority of them are in their 60s and 70s, will be in the ground in the next 20 years, and therefore we have the possibility of becoming a minority in our own country. Now, to be fair, 12 of that guy's neighbors came out immediately and told Sarah they don't agree with this guy, he doesn't represent them in their community, and they deserve a round of applause for sticking up for what's right in this country. I appreciate them for doing that. By the way, it should be noted, this, that was not part of Washington, D.C. That clip that Van Jones played on CNN was of a man uh, in uh, a white nationalist who was wearing that swastika T-shirt, as he just referenced, uh, in Ulysses, P.A., so that was a Pennsylvania uh, gentleman. This was not part of what actually happened in D.C. yesterday. But let's let Van Jones now draw the connection. But here's the thing that bothers me the most. Those same themes that were once considered so extreme are now becoming mainstream, at least in conservative media. Listen to Laura. In- Listen to what he just said. He said that a white nationalist message like that from a hate monger is mainstream in conservative media. This is this is this is the, the, the correlation they're trying to make here. Now he's gonna he's gonna tie that message to a message given by Laura Ingram on Fox News last week. Ingram on Fox News addressing millions of your fellow citizens and neighbors uh, on our air. It 
does seem like the America that we know and love doesn't exist anymore. Massive demographic changes have been foisted upon the American people. And they're changes that none of us ever voted for and most of us don't like. From Virginia to California, we see stark examples of how radically, in some ways, the country has changed. Now, I see zero difference between what Laura Ingram is saying on mainstream cable and what the Nazi was just saying in front of his house. It's he, he said this on live television. He sees no difference between those two statements. Is he even going to bother to define what demographics means? Does demographics mean solely racial groups? Demographics mean many, many different things. Demographic studies include populations based on many things, not just country of origin or race of origin or, uh, uh, or anything of that nature, but also or skin color. But also age, demographics matter, um, uh, political ideology is a demographic. Um, there are so many different things that you, uh, sexual orientation is a demographic. I and mean, you can break down groups of people in a population by many, many different things. And he heard her saying race when she never said race. You know what else he didn't do? He didn't play for you what Laura Ingram said the very next night in response to knuckleheads just like him. I want to start tonight by addressing my commentary at the top of last night's show. A message to those who are distorting my views, including all white nationalists and especially one racist freak whose name I will not even mention. You do not have my support, you don't represent my views, and you are antithetical to the beliefs I hold dear. The purpose of last night's angle was to point out that the rule of law, meaning secure borders, is something that used to bind our country together. And despite what some may be contending, I made explicitly clear that my commentary had nothing to do with race or ethnicity, but rather a shared goal of keeping America safe and her citizens safe and prosperous. Furthermore, as I have said repeatedly on this show, merit-based immigration does wonders for our country's economy, our way of life, and how we define our country. I even said that in my opening thoughts last night. I want to make it really clear that my concern will continue to remain with the families who have suffered the tragic results of illegal immigration. The children put in dangerous and unfair situations at the border, and all those border agents around the country who work to keep our country safe. I don't think she could be more clear. But to Van Jones and the American left, that is the hate speech. That's hate speech. Not Nancy Pelosi accusing Donald Trump of trying to, quote, make America white again. Yeah, she said that when she was on AM Joy yesterday, not Antifa chanting that they don't want America to be America anymore. That's not hate speech. No, no, no. Not, not the leftist marchers chanting that cops and Klan go hand in hand. That's, that's not hate speech against the Republicans. Yeah. 
the hate speech is coming from the conservative media, they want you to believe. Friends, they are, and I really do give them credit for this, they're pulling back the curtain. Right? They're pulling back the curtain on who they are and what they are. The thin veil of patriotism, of desire for unity, desire for country, desire for laws, desire for order. The thin veil that they use to try to kind of, you know, mask their hatred for all of those things and to make it appear as though they were for those things is being removed. They're just showing themselves. I asked Congressman Jim Jordan last half hour if the Democrats should just go ahead and adopt this as their, as their uh, theme for the midterm elections. And he agreed. Haven't they pretty much already done that? I mean, seriously. I can already see the commercial. Vote Democrat in 2018. Vote Democrats 2018. This is who they are. They're announcing who they are. And I think it would be to our great benefit to listen to them and to believe them. Back with your calls after this on AM 1420, The Answer. The Answer. 1024, now the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Phone calls as promised. TJ in Cleveland, you're next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ. Hi, Bob. You know, Bob, when you interviewed Dinesh D'Souza, I, I hope I pronounced Dinesh, that right No, tonight. it's okay. D- Dinesh D'Souza. Got it. Yeah. Uh, ask him about, I heard an interview with him, and I thought he said that he was talking about that Charlotte uh, rally last year. Charlottesville. That the right. white nationalist group that was there was actually set up by an Obama supporter, a real lefty that well, set Jay, it up. His, yeah, his name I, is Jason Kessler, and he is. He, he was a longtime uh, liberal Obama supporter who now apparently has decided he's, uh, I don't think he has ever said he's a Republican supporter or he's a Trump supporter. I haven't heard anything about his political favoritism at all. But because he is a white nationalist, he is being called and... In his own words, because he's the one who set up the uh, the stupid protest, it was called Unite the Right. He is making it appear as though he is right-wing, when the fact of the matter is, for his whole life, he was left-wing, which is why right. some of us believe that he's just a setup. He's a plant. He's, he's um, you know, back when the Tea Party started, TJ, back uh, in uh, 2010, which led to the, uh, the 2009, really, which led to the uh, Republican uprising in 2010, in which they took back the, the House, um, Tea Party rallies were often infiltrated by liberals who hated them, who would carry swastika signs mm-hmm. or flags into the crowds to make it look like that's what it was. And it never was. Uh, those people were, were just plants infiltrating in order to try to make the group appear to be something it wasn't. I believe it's very possible that this Kessler white nationalist idiot is still a liberal uh, Democrat supporter who is creating a, quote, unite the right group in order to make it look like people on the right, conservative-minded people like me and maybe like you, like we're the ones who are um, supportive, support, supporters of white nationalism. And I think that's, there's a pretty good chance of that, quite frankly. Yeah, and you know, this is Atifa, Bob. You ever notice that they always show up when they're like outnumber their opponents 100 to 1? How come they never show up like, say, uh, bikers for Trump rally? 
They never show up. Yeah, they never show up at a Trump rally itself when there's thousands of people on the other side. Uh, why don't they show up at NASCAR where there's rabid Trump support? They only show up when they can pick on people like 100 to 1. You see them in these restaurants. They grab some defenseless woman or something, and they, they get their flash mob to intimidate them and assault them. I wonder if you had, like I said, a couple of bikers for Trump sitting eating breakfast with a Make America Great uh, uh, hat on. How many of these dopes would show up to intimidate them in the restaurant? I don't think any well, of let's, them. Let's just hope that we never find out, because I think you know and I know that those bikers would not just allow themselves to be victimized. They would defend themselves, stand up for themselves, and then we'd have ourselves an incident that we don't want at all. And that is some kind of a violent showdown. TJ, thanks for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. Let's go to uh, Navy Man Norm calling from Strongsville. Hey, Norm, how are you? Wonderful, Bob. My, my problem is this. We, and I say we, mm-hmm. speaking of you, me, our listeners, we have too many oxygen thieves. And by oxygen thieves, I mean people that breathe the same air as we do but won't lift a freaking finger to do anything about what's going on in our country, in our schools, in our Congress. And I include Congressman Renacy, Senator Portman, all the do-nothings that we voted for. They haven't done a damn thing, Bob. And as far as I'm concerned, that's all they are is oxygen thieves. I'm, I'll tell you what, and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people like me that are so upset, they feel like sitting on their hands in November and letting them get the living you-know-what kicked out of them by the Democrats. Because... Norm, I've got to stop you there, because I, while I certainly respect your line of thinking and you as, as, a, as a veteran and as a man, but um, no, no, no. Uh, there, there is no lesson here that will make us feel better. Well, we sure showed them when we surrender the republic. If you allow the Democrats, you know, you can say that it's a do-nothing Congress, or you can say that there are oxygen thieves in Republican, uh, uh, under Republican banners who aren't doing enough all you want, and that's fine. But compared to giving the Democrats the majority, it is a death sentence to this country. They will impeach Donald Trump in in two seconds. They will impeach him if you give them the gavel and the House. I don't care if they are oxygen thieves. I don't care which ones you like or you don't like. You keep the enemy in the minority or you suffer the consequences. We cannot sit home, sit on our hands. Let me put it to you this way, Norm. If we had sat home and sat on our hands in November of 2016 because some people didn't like Trump, I was one of them. I was a huge supporter of Ted Cruz in the primaries, but I knew I was not going to sit home on my hands because we had to stop Hillary Clinton. If we had done it then, uh, Norm, you would have President Clinton right now. You would not have the tax cuts. You would not have the GDP growth. You would not have Judge Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch on the court. You would have Justice, you know, uh, 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 what was his name, Garland, or, or somebody equally, you know, as bad. Norm, no. Do not surrender. Do not surrender to teach the Republicans a lesson. You must stop the enemy at all costs. And you as so a veteran, I, guess I, I think, know I, that. I, I guess we're going to have to hold our nose. When we pull the voting lever, right? Then do that. Yeah, if you got to hold it, yeah. hold it. But but yeah, you have yeah. to stop the enemy. You don't teach your you don't teach your troops a lesson on how to fight better by giving up the line. You know, you just well, don't do one that. Other, yeah. One other thing I want to throw out at you, I would like to know why only one person allegedly was arrested by the police in Washington. One person out of all that mob 
of Antifa. Yeah. And since when do law enforcement agencies, the police, the FBI, Homeland Security, allow a domestic terrorist group, Antifa, to run around the country in masks and carrying weapons? Since when, and, and I wrote the DOJ this, I sent a letter to Ray Rosenstein and Sessions about three weeks ago, and I asked him a simple question. What are you doing about this domestic terrorist group, Antifa, and how is it that they are allowed to intimidate innocent people, uh, speakers on college campuses, uh, create havoc, start fires and riots, and run around with masks, and you at DOJ and the FBI do absolutely nothing about it. Do you think I got a response to my letter? Of course you didn't, and you're not of going course. to. Uh, Norm, I'm going to dr- I'm going to follow up on your question right now with a follow up story on that right after the news. So stay where you are, keep listening, and thank you for the call, my friend. Do not give up the fight. Do not give up the fight. Back after this. News, opinion, insight. This is AM 1420. The answer. It's 10:30, 75 degrees downtown. I'm Earl Kirk. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, we do indeed continue now at 1036. By my count, that's 24 minutes of outstanding, awesome left for you on this broadcast. I have three more hours of outstanding awesome for you later tonight. I will be sitting in for the great sage from South Central, Larry Elder, on his national broadcast tonight and tomorrow. And one of the men I will be interviewing tonight will be uh, best-selling author and noted filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza, whose film right now, Death of a Nation, is in theaters, and it's something that I cannot urge you strongly enough to, uh, to watch I'll come back to that in a moment, but I want to follow up on Norm's comment a few moments ago. He said he wrote a letter to DOJ heads like Christopher Ray, Rod Rosenstein, and Jeff Sessions and said, why aren't you doing something about the domestic terrorist group known as Antifa? Why are they allowed to go through um, you know, our various uh, places in our country wearing masks, armed, and, and committing all kinds of violent acts without repercussions? I want to focus on that with a follow-up on the mask part of this. Okay, because this is um, this is really sickening as far as I'm concerned. There were protests a few weeks ago in Berkeley by uh, Antifa thugs. They they weren't just protesting. They were doing what thugs do. They were destroying. They were destroying and they were attacking. They hosted something that they called sweep out the fascists. All right. A, A sweep out the fascists march. It turned into what all Antifa things do, what all violent leftists do. It turned into vandalism and attacks. So officials say three people suffered minor injuries after this group of Antifa leftists threw explosives, believed to be fireworks and flares, at police and Alameda County Sheriff's officers. The group damaged 21 city vehicles. They broke the law. In numerous ways, these were public arrests when they were arrested. And these individuals were all wearing masks because that's what they do. That's what you do when you're a coward. When you're a coward and you don't want to be identified for the actions you are taking, you wear masks. And that's exactly what they did. 
So they arrested a number of these people. And then the Berkeley Police Department put these public arrests, which is what they are, this is public information, on their website, saying these individuals were arrested for violent acts, for vandalism acts, etc., etc. And they showed their mugshots. Well, are you kidding me? The left can't believe that they would do such a thing. How dare you show their faces? They were masked when they committed their crimes. Why are you showing their faces now on your website? The concern from the leftists, cowards that they are, was now these people will be identifiable by their faces and it puts them in danger when they're released back into society. Because people might see them and say, hey, I saw you as an Antifa member arrested for committing all of these violent acts and then may harm them. So they were livid at the police for what they called doxing, which means exposing the personal private information of individuals, uh, doxing them for uh, you know releasing their names and their uh, and their faces uh, to the public. They demanded that the Berkeley Police Department take those twenty individuals off of their website so they can't be identified. Let them continue to commit their crimes in anonymity. And the Berkeley Police Department, much to our chagrin and and dismay and shock and anger, acquiesced. They did it. They took them down. I, along with a lot of other people, used social media, my Facebook page, France Media, to make sure to show them anyway. They were already on. Well, that's the nice thing. Once you delete a page, it's still there on on social media forever. Once it's on the Internet, it's on the Internet forever pretty much. So I shared this with others, begging people to, yes, please, make these people famous. They don't want their faces to be shown on social media or on the Internet or on police department websites after their arrests. And, I, and the police have taken it down. I say we share it everywhere. And I will encourage you again, if you're on Facebook, to follow my page, France Radio. You will find that story from last week posted. Uh, in fact, it's a link to um, Chicks on the Right and their anger at Berkeley Police removing the pictures of the Antifa losers after the public outcry. There's no reason for them to remove them. These are public mug, mug shots just as anybody else's would be. But because they wore masks and committed violent acts, well, we have to continue to give them their anonymity. Horse cur app. So I'm with Norm. Navy man Norm called and said he wants to know why these people are allowed to run around in masks and commit these crimes. What is the Department of Justice going to do about it? I'm with him, especially when it comes to the anonymity part, especially when it comes to the masks, because this simply cannot be allowed. All right. Having said that, uh, I want to get to... Uh, Dinesh D'Souza for a moment. Then I'll go to the phone calls. But I want to get to Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza, again, if you missed it, I will be hosting Larry Elder's show tonight, and I will be interviewing Dinesh about his movie, Death of a Nation. A caller just brought up uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Well, I don't know if I remember if it was Norm, if it was TJ, who it was. One of them said, Dinesh D'Souza did an expose of sorts on the organizers of the Unite the Right rally and revealed them to be actually leftists not people on the quote-unquote right, and uh, wanted to know if I knew anything about it. And I said, yes, I do, and yes, I've heard the reports. But you know what? Let's let you hear it directly from the mouth of Dinesh D'Souza, not just tonight when I interview him on Larry Elder, but he did this interview last year after the Charlottesville horror, uh, and it was horrible. It was tragic. There was A woman died. Heather Heyer, 32-year-old, died because some idiot white nationalist drove his car into a crowd of the Antifa protesters. 
Don't respond to their violence with your own violent acts, criminal acts. Self-defense is one thing. Offensive criminal acts are another. But at any rate, uh, Dinesh D'Souza was on C-SPAN, the Washington Journal on C-SPAN, and he was asked about Jason Kessler and the Unite the Right organizers. Please listen to this very informative and educational response. How do you respond to people when they point to what happened in Charlottesville and that the president would not, um, the, the, the president said there were bad people on both sides? Well, this is really, I would say, the, the trump card, if I can use that term in our movie, because I have uncovered an aspect of Charlottesville that is not in the public debate, and that is the whole point of Charlottesville. There was a tragedy in Charlottesville, and, and, and that won't change. Uh, somebody was run over and killed, and so it was a tragic event in that sense. What I'm contesting is the meaning of that event, because from the left's point of view, this was right-wing white supremacy. And that was the whole point for Trump to condemn it. These are right-wing white supremacists. I deny that. I deny that. And I deny it now based upon a close analysis of who was there and who these white supremacists are. Now, in this book, Death of a Nation, I go through the list. Jason Kessler, the founder of, the organizer of Charlottesville, turns out to be an Obama activist and an Occupy Wall Street guy. Now, think about this. Does it make any sense that someone who's an Obama voter and supporter becomes a white supremacist. That makes no sense to me. So you think the media would be like, let's check this guy out, right? Well, there was a Charlottesville paper that did. It looked into his background. Turns out he has a long left-wing history. They interview his girlfriend, and she goes, he broke up with me because I'm too conservative. This guy, Jason Kessler. Now we move on to the poster boy of white supremacy, Richard Spencer. This guy is so controversial, when he went to speak in Florida, the governor declared a state of emergency. So I interview him in the film, and it's, it's riveting. It's about four minutes in the movie. And I ask him a series of questions, very illuminating. I ask him, for example, does he believe that all men are created equal? No. I say, does he believe in individual dignity? No. Does he believe in the right to life? No. Where do rights come from? He says, well, they don't come from God. So, well, where do they come from? He goes, they come from the government. So he's a statist. He believes the government gives you your rights. Then I ask him, what do you think of Reagan? He goes, terrible president. I go, who are your favorite presidents? He lists a bunch of Democrats. And I go, well, those are all Democrats. He goes, yeah, I know. He goes, but it's just a party. And he's naming people like Andrew Jackson, who was the founder of the Democratic Party. The point I'm trying to make is that the white supremacists are not conservative. They're not conservative in the modern American sense of conservative. They're unrecognizable to a normal conservative, and that's obvious from the movie. So what I'm doing really is through a combination of history, investigative journalism, contesting these prevailing narratives, but I'm doing it in a responsible and civil way. My only objection to what the left does to the movie is you have all these critics. All right. So that's Dinesh D'Souza from C-SPAN, the Washington Journal. Uh, He's the author of Death of a Nation, Plantation Politics, and the Making of the Democratic Party. That book, of course, has been turned into a movie, which you can see right now in theaters. It's called Death of a Nation, and it's extraordinarily important that you view this. I have only seen clips of it and interviews uh, with Dinesh about it. Uh, I cannot wait to see it so that I can report on it more accurately, but uh, I will be interviewing Dinesh D'Souza about that movie tonight on The Larry Elder Show. Uh, Tom is in Akron on AM 1420, The Answer. Tom, thank you for your patience, sir. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Hey, good morning. you know, I, I listened to Norm's call uh, kind of, you know, threatening to sit on his hands. And I hear everything else you're talking about this morning. And, and I, you know, between Norm's apathy and frustration, uh, you know, I'll defend Renacy. You know, he, he, he orchestrated and architect, architected out this, this tax cut plan. He's, he's formed 
bipartisan breakfast for the last seven years. You know, all these politicians do all these things for us that don't get reported on. Um, the media has picked and choose what they want to cover, be it the Antifa violence, uh, the rallies and all this. But then they choose also, more importantly, what they don't want to report on. And if we have to do our own research. Um, we have to dig in now. We have the Internet. We have Google. We have shows like yours. We have your, your Facebook media to do to do some of the heavy lifting for us. But we can't just sit on our hands. Uh, that, that's the worst possible thing we can do, especially uh, with the momentum that this country has going right now. We, we're, we're up against this 44-year uh, politician, Sherrod Brown, in Ohio, who, if you want to do your research, has done nothing for Ohio. And, uh, you know, all, all these reports coming out now uh, about him and that have come out that the national media has not even picked up on. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the stories on, uh, you know, Keith Ellison come out with the domestic violence. Well, Sherrod Brown uh, has reportedly been accused of the same thing. And third party media, non-mainstream media has reported on this, especially over the last six months. There's been three. Uh, three reports since December, one in December, one in February, one in May, that actually published the court documents of Sherrod Brown's accused domestic uh, violence. And the mainstream media won't pick this up. They won't do anything about it. So, Norm, relax. Do your own research. Take a breath and support our candidates that are actually doing something for us. The, the facts are out there. You can see what Renacy, uh, what Portman, what Jim Jordan, what all these guys are doing for Ohio. It's out there. You can find it. Relax. That's a great, great phone call and a great message. Um, uh, short answer, yes, I'm aware of Keith Ellison. No, I was not as aware of the Sherrod Brown story. I'm just becoming aware of those charges. And that, by the way, is very, very sad, a sad commentary on the national media, the fact that I wasn't aware, and a lot of other people aren't as well because they don't cover this kind of thing. But uh, so, so it's something I will certainly be looking into as well. But to your point about Renacy, I'm so glad that you made that uh, point. Uh, did you see at uh, the White House uh, um, yesterday the uh, uh, Bikers for Trump, uh, all who came out and they got rained out from their Bikers for Trump rally uh, that was Absolutely. held? Yeah, and, and President Trump, by the way, since it was kind of rained out outside, he invited them all inside, which was just so cool. And they had this great event. The Bikers for Trump are extraordinarily passionate people. Well, guess what? They are equally passionate about Jim Renacci. Uh, Jim Renacci is a good, solid, strong candidate and obviously a, a good, solid, strong representative already. I have had my disagreements with him on his vote for uh, certain spending bills, uh, you know, wanting to I wanted to hold hold the line on on uh, funding Planned Parenthood and funding sanctuary cities and so forth. And, uh, and and he voted for some of those just to be able to fund the government so we don't have a big shutdown and other things. And I've had good arguments and debates with him. But at the end of the day, he is doing great work for the American people and for the people of Ohio and his district and beyond. Like you said, as a part of the very powerful and influential Ways and Means Committee, he was one of the individuals who drafted and wrote the tax bill, the, the tax cuts bill that we are all enjoying right now um, and all of the jobs that came along with it as well. Uh, so he's really, really important to make sure that he stays on the job. And in this case, it would be moving from the House to the Senate and kicking Sherrod Brown's arse uh, back uh, out of the uh, out of the Washington, D.C. and out of the Senate where he belongs. Uh, so and Bob, really, there, really there's never to going really to, glad be, to get you that message out there. Yeah, there's never going to be a perfect candidate. You know, there, nope. there's going to be a candidate that, that 
that Bob France likes. The only perfect candidate Bob France would like is if Bob France was running Bingo. for Senate. You would, that's you what, would that's what I tell people all the time. You said. Yep, that's it. Me, I think that's you know, true of anybody. Nobody is going to agree with everything that you agree with except for you. Anybody who wants are, to run for are, office, however, that's the only perfect candidate. <laughs> there are, however, terrible representatives for Ohio, and you don't have to look any further than than the Democrat current Democrat senator from Ohio, uh, the do-nothing, accused, domestic, violent senator from Ohio that needs to be... Actually, I would would say, where where are the Me Too people right now today? They they ran Al, Al Franken out of the Senate for a photograph that was debatedly a joke. Right. Here is an accusation from a spouse... Where, where's the Me Too people now calling for right. Jared Brown to resign? Where it, are they? It's, a, it's a great question, and, and I could not agree with you more about the importance of getting terrible legislators out, and uh, especially if they're people of terrible character. Tom, i got to run. I appreciate the call. We'll talk more about that as, as we go. Uh, I've got time for a few more phone calls after the traffic uh, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks, Bob and Chardon. Ten fifty-six. Final segment is a short one uh, to wrap it up. What do you say we wrap it up with something fun? Something just to put a little smile on your face. You are aware that Democratic Socialist Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is just about the dumbest political candidate to come down the line on either in either party in many many years, right? I mean, she she just I mean, there, there's a there's a a montage of some of her greatest hits, and she's only been a public figure for like two months now. Ever since she upset Joe Crowley, uh, who is a ten time elected Democrat in Congress in New York. Um, she has become the rising star of the Democrat Party, and as such, they are putting her out there everywhere before every interviewer that they can find, right? The problem is, bad idea, because she's about as dumb as a box of crayons, um, and, and, and that might be giving her a little too much credit. Sorry, Crayola. But um, she does, let me put it to you this way. This woman lives in fear of the follow-up question. As soon as somebody asks her a follow-up question, one for which she has not been scripted, she is lost. She has no idea how the economy works. She has no idea how the job uh, or the unemployment uh, um, number is is um, calculated. She has no idea of of basic uh, geopolitics. She thinks that Palestine is occupying, uh, or excuse me, that that uh, Israel is occupying Palestine. She she can't open her mouth without sounding like an idiot. She went to a rally for another Democrat and declared, "We're going to turn this seat red," which would be Republican. She's just not very smart. Well, yesterday, I, um, I don't know why, but she, she reminded me of someone I've heard before. Every time she speaks, I remember this girl. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some... Uh, People out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed- education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and I believe that they should 
our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. So we will be able to build up our future for our I would submit to you that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is truly Miss Teen South Carolina from 2007. I'm telling you, she colored her hair from blonde to brunette, and she is now the Democratic nominee in that congressional district in New York. That There's the, the only connection. I, you listen to her, you listen to Miss Teen South Carolina 2007, no two people can sound so much alike. Uh, the way those two are, without a serious, serious connection. I think we have found her background. All right, that's it. That's all the time we've got. If you remember that gem, it's an oldie but a goodie. And if you never heard it before, share it. It's fun. I put it on my Facebook page. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.